3: Hi, Ray Blakeney. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting Life Unscripted. I'm so grateful to have you here this wonderful Saturday afternoon. We're going to talk about the lessons learned from surviving and thriving through not just one but two pandemics you're going to people are listening and going what did we have a second COVID we lost? Uh, no, but you're going to share all of those uh, wonderful details. Uh, you have um, started a very uh, amazing company helping people learn languages live. How do you call it? lingua?
4: LiveLingua.com, right?
3: LiveLingua, I like that. Is, <laughs> uh, is Lingua kind of from Spanish?
4: Yeah, you would think so, right? But actually, I don't think very long about my business name, so that was actually the Latin word for tongue and language, and I, that's what I did it. The domain was available 16 years ago when I launched 15, I guess. And well, that's, that's cool. how the name came about.
3: That's awesome. Well, let's get started, because uh, we're gonna talk about surviving and thriving two pandemics, but how did you even get started with your business? What did that look like? Share a little bit about your backstory.
4: Yeah, so quick 30-second, I guess, elevator pitch on my backstory. I was born in the Philippines, grew up in Turkey. My dad is from the United States, but grew up in Rhodesia. Mm -hmm. I went to university in the U.S. I'm an American citizen. Mm -hmm. I worked as a computer engineer. I did that for about five years and decided, hey, I don't want to sit in a cube for the rest of my life. So I quit my job and I joined the Peace Corps. Um, For those of you who don't know, they pay you about $100 a month. So going from a computer engineering salary to a Peace Corps salary is a pretty big salary cut. Uh, they sent me to Mexico. It's where I met my wife. We launched our first business together, uh, which is a was a brick-and-mortar language school, which led into our second business, and to date our biggest, which is an online language school called LiveLanguage.com. I glossed over the last part because that's part of what we're going to talk about when it comes to the pandemic.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. What brought you into the world of language? Because your, your wife was doing it, so you decided to join... Uh... You know and 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 start the company together um because you were doing engineering and then you joined the peace corps what why language is a business and teaching yeah
4: language? great question so it's not yeah you're right language education is not my specialty even though i guess after having done it for 15 years i'm pretty decent at it um, mm-hmm. but that's not why we got into it my background again was computer engineering and i always wanted to run my own business mm-hmm. i just didn't know what computer engineering in and of itself was not a business right Every you know tons of programmers out there so I met my wife who was a teacher and she always went to run a school. Um, we were dating at the time. So we started talking about it and like, well, you know, we're in our mid twenties, just got out of the B score, have no kids, no other responsibilities. If we're going to try it, let's try this right now because mm-hmm. worst case scenario, we're lucky to have loving parents. We go back with them. I'm a computer engineer. You're a bilingual teacher. We'll get jobs. We'll be fine. Right? So that's how we got into the entrepreneurship. It was kind of everything met at the right time. And we decided to take the leap. I mean, In the marriage, the marriage leap and the business leap, all within about seven days of each other, uh, which is a totally different story.
3: Wow! Then now that's something else that you did the two together. And you know what? Not not a lot of um, couples do well together managing a business. So it's awesome that you've actually done well on both sides.
4: Yeah. Well, I tell people about that. If you, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but if you do, there's only two possible outcomes: divorce or a really strong marriage. There is no middle ground if you're going to go down that route. Um, And I'm guessing divorce is probably the more likely outcome. You have Mm -hmm. to kind of go through a lot of highs and lows. There's no quote-unquote work-life separation, but you learn to deal with a lot of stress together and the hardship together. And if you go through that pretty much, you know, if you survive through the crucible with them, Um, anything else that kind of comes to you in life is relatively small price.
3: Yeah. And you know what? It's, it's amazing. Because even, even if you are entering into a business partnership, those often break up. So Mm Yeah, so yeah, this is this is great. So now you started your language schools and uh, wow, we have a pandemic come about that tests you. How did that come about share? Because people are probably thinking, wait, there's two pandemics.
4: <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> that old? So we're not talking about the Spanish flu here. You know, I'm not 120 years I know, old, so it's like, I can't wow. quite go back that far. Um, but OK, so I was in Mexico for the Peace Corps and I stayed in Mexico afterwards. The first business that we launched together was a language school. Mm. A a brick and mortar one. So foreigners, Americans would come from the United States. They would study with us in Mexico. We put them in Mexican families. We were lucky. Um, I learned something called search engine optimization at the time. So within six months before we launched, we were fully booked, even though we didn't actually have no experience. Wow. So we launched, things were going great. Six months into it, something called the Mexican swine flu happened. Uh For those of you who don't remember, the Mexican swine flu was supposed to be COVID right? They were, everybody was worried that this is going to go around the world.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
4: everything's going to be a global pandemic. So what did they do? They shut off the borders of Mexico. Nobody could fly in, nobody could fly out. All mm-hmm. of our students came from outside. So all of our students left overnight wow. because they wanted to be able to get home. And then, the, you know, none of our new students could come in and arrive. So my wife was actually the one who had the idea, look, we need to pay our teachers. Teachers, we pay them every week because... Just like in the United States, budgeting is not the greatest thing in the world, right? They get paid on Monday, by the following Monday, they actually need that other paycheck in yeah. order to pay all their bills. Yeah. So it was our responsibility as business owners to be able to take care of them. And we were finding it very difficult to do so. So my wife said, let's email all our pre- previous students, see if anybody wanted to take lessons on Skype. This was a novel idea back in 2008. Wow. So we emailed them, half the students said, yeah, I'd love to. Like, that's strange. So I'm a computer engineer, I threw up a website. Um, I do want to clarify here, computer engineer is not graphic designer. So I'm the guy who makes the fancy stuff happen in the background. I say this because it means my website was really, really ugly. I mean, I physically knew how to program, but the website was really bad. This was before the days you could buy pretty looking websites yourself on for like But it did right? what it had to do. It you, did what it, it had to do. It was five pages big. Mobile design wasn't a thing back then because the smartphones were relatively uh, new. And so we threw it up there. I did a little bit of SEO, search engine optimization on it. I'm like, yeah, let's see if anybody signs up. So what happened was 30 days later, the swine flu just fizzled out. Nothing happened. 60 days later, our school was fully booked again. 120 days later, we were getting more students from that little dinky website I made for Spanish than we were at a brick and mortar school. And we were making more money on a side hustle than we were in our our successful brick and mortar business.
3: Wow. So, you know, what I love about your story is this time and age with the technology the way it is, there's people who, hey, I can't afford the brick and mortar. But there's so many opportunities with technology. And even better than when you got started, you don't need to be uh, super techie. See, Uh, uh, now with things ready made, and you could buy them, you can get a website up in an hour probably, and it'll be fully functional and ready for you to take in business.
4: You got it. Um, You know, just take a watch a YouTube video and learn the basics of something called WordPress. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Register with a server, it installs in one or two clicks. You can go to a website, my favorite, and I, you know, I'm not endorsing them in any way, but I use them all the time. Is themeforest.net. They have beautiful websites there that cost between $20 and $40. You download them, you upload them onto your WordPress. You have a beautiful website. You just have to replace some of the images and put some text in there. And you yeah. can do this in a weekend. And you can launch your quote-unquote online business in a weekend. There's a lot more to it than that. But yeah. kind of getting, your, you know, getting started is very, very easy to do this.
3: Yeah. So what, what was the biggest lesson you learned through the first pandemic, the swine flu, and then realizing boom, here is this opportunity we didn't know about what what at the other end of the uh, pandemic, what did you get from all of it? your biggest takeaway?
4: My biggest takeaway, and this is hindsight 2020, right? Because if you'd asked me back then I was new to entrepreneurship, I didn't really know what I was doing um, is ask, you know, ask yourself why you are building your business before you build the business. So the reason I say that is, again, we had the brick and mortar school and it was successful as successful as brick and mortar businesses can be. You know, your scale is going to be a lot smaller if you brick and mortar, unless you go into franchising and mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of other things there. But generally speaking, you make 50 to $150,000 in profit a year in your brick and mortar business, you're considered to be doing pretty well in your business. And so we were doing that, but I didn't have a day off for 90 days in the summer. We're a school business, right? Because people, everybody comes to the summer breaks, working to the bone. And I had been taught as a kid that you work hard for 40 years and then you can retire and enjoy your life. Yeah. Um, And oh, I love my parents. That's what they did. It worked out for them, but you know, the world has other options right now. Mm -hmm. So when we moved into the online world, suddenly we were making that much and more working one or two hours a day. And that was kind of when I had to start doing a mental flip of wait, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, why was I working so hard before? Why am I in this new business now? Why am I doing this? Once you get past, you know, the um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and food was paid for. I live in Mexico, right? $100,000 yep. is a piece in the United States. In Mexico it's great. Mm-hmm. And so I had to really figure out why I was working. And that's kind of was probably a little esoteric, but it's kind of the lesson that I took away from the first one. Yeah. I was going down the wrong path. You know, we might be miserable. I might be divorced if we would still been running that business. 15 years down the road. Yeah. Um, So that's something that I wish I had done before and I'd love to share it with your audience and maybe some, hopefully some of them will do it before they launch their business. Make sure the business is taking you where you really want to go instead of taking where other people tell you you should be going.
3: You know, I I love that you say that, Ray, because so many people say, why do you want to build a business? Well, I just want to be self-sufficient, away from a job and make good money. Well, is that a big enough why and, and what are you doing to serve the community? Like, what is your service that you're bringing to the community? And do people really want it, need it, or desire it? Because one thing I found, I wanted to bring um, lessons, teach people how to do their accounting. And, you know, when I got to the nitty gritty of it, people were like, no, I want you to do it. Take it and do it for me. I don't want mm-hmm. to be concerned with it. I don't want to get an MBA. I want uh-huh. you to do it.
4: You bring yeah. up a great point, Christina, actually and the timing of this interview is great. So I just got back from probably the most amazing entrepreneur retreat in my life about three days ago. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed to even say it. So I got invited to hang out with Richard Branson on Island. So I just was hanging out, like three days ago, I was hang, hanging out with him there, mm-hmm. um, along with a Nobel Laureate, President um, Sirleave, uh, the, the CEO of X, which is like the moonshot factory of, um, of Google. So these really, really amazing, inspiring people from around the world. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I took away from that, when I was sitting there, just pure luck, the first night at dinner, I sat down and all three of them sat in front of me and they started having a discussion. And I just sat back with my jaw on the floor and just listened because my level of contribution would be almost nothing. It was because they were so clear on their why. Mm. They were so passionate about why they were in this world
0: Mm -hmm.
4: that I was in awe. Forget about all the stuff that they've done that's amazing. By itself, but it's exactly what you just said. I think success comes when you know why you're doing it. And I was sitting in front of like three of the most quote unquote successful people in the world, and they were crystal clear on exactly why they woke up every morning and they couldn't wake up, you know, they couldn't wait to wake up the next morning to do exactly what they were doing.
3: Yeah, yeah, because honestly, once you get a business going, you need other people to help you because you can't do it all yourself. But unless you have that vision of your why you won't be able to pass it on and get others jazzed up about wanting to work with you and help build your company.
4: Exactly, exactly. Um, I'm still trying to figure out all of that. But you know, I saw it in action. So exactly. I'm like, I can definitely, you know, I saw that it worked with them. You know, I'll figure out the how the how of the why later, right? It's kind of the thing you know how to figure out your why is a different thing.
3: Well, you're doing a great job because you had a great product and then you realize, boom, here's this opportunity, there's this catastrophe that happens, but you you pivoted, you found a way and actually it worked better for your customers than the way you were originally doing it and a lower cost for you overhead. Now we come to the year 2020 where the whole world is hit with the COVID um, pandemic. How did that affect your business and what new lessons did you
4: learn? Actually, this is another spin. So two things happen. First off, we're one of the lucky ones. I'm in online education, online language education. Our business exploded about 100% wow. within 60 days of COVID hitting. Everybody's stuck at home. I should learn Spanish, German, Chinese, right? Yeah. And I can't even really go to my, or I used to go to the community college to take these lessons. I can't anymore. I want to keep my level up. So our business exploded. What happened there in our pivot from that is actually, was not actually a new product. My, the new the new product that I have is called podcasttalk.com. So um, the story behind that was when swine flu happened, our business started doing well. We generally market online search engine optimization, Facebook ads, Google. Those are kind of our channels for bringing in customers. I was looking for a new channel, right? So I wanted to get in front of new audiences that wouldn't find us in these ways. So I decided, hey, why don't I do some podcasting? I've been on 10 or 20 podcasts in the past, but just people I met when I speak at conferences that it wasn't any kind of effort on my part to kind of reach out and find podcasters. Yeah. So I sat down that afternoon and I was sitting there. I'm like, okay, I need to get in front of new people. Everybody's stuck at home, listening to podcasts. Let me find some podcasts to be guests on. So like anybody who's done that, you go on Google and you type in, you know, uh, podcast interview guests or whatever the words are for that. And yeah, that doesn't work for anybody who's tried it. I can tell you that absolutely doesn't work. Half the podcasts aren't active anymore. You might get Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss and some, you know, the, NPR ones and yeah. yeah, you know, I'm, I'm pro- they're not accepting me on those shows anytime soon, <laughs> right? So, you know, it wasn't really useful. So, I reached out to agencies to try to see if I could, you know, if they could get me booked on podcasts and they were charging three to five thousand dollars, right? A month. And I was sitting back, like, I'm not gonna pay. Can they guarantee anybody listens to the podcast? They're like, no.
1: Mm-mm. So,
4: you know, theoretically, I could have been on a show of some guy who's in his parents' basement, right? Who's just recording. And I just paid a thousand dollars to get on that show. So, I decided using my computer engineering background again. Hmm. can i get all the podcasts in the world into a database and i spent a weekend and i'm like oh that's physically possible i didn't finish in a weekend it took me about a year to do it but you know i'm like it's possible can i get their contact information yes it's possible and then i built a system which is podcast talk i built built the minimum viable product the mvp i have a programming team right now which pretty much allows you to search all the podcasts in the world so christina you can let's say you want to get on marketing podcasts, so you can say Give me all the podcasts in the world that have the word marketing in the description, have at least 52 episodes, have at least a 4.5 star and release an episode in the last two weeks. And um, the guest name is Jane. The host name is Jane. I mean, you know, we just have random stuff you can throw in there that you can do it. You Mm -hmm. can search in milliseconds it will give you back every podcast in the world that meet those criteria. Then you you can pick the ones you want and we help you send emails and pitch them and do follow-ups and all of that as well. So that came out Uh of a need that, came out during the pandemic. So I was looking for an opportunity. There was something that, you know, I had a need that nobody was meeting and I decided to build it myself instead of just throw my hands up in the air and say, oh, well, that's too bad. I went and made it. I went and built it myself.
3: Yeah. And that's so that's a great story because so many businesses got started that way. There was something a person needed. It's not out there. Well, heck, I'll build it for myself and end up serving millions of people. So how does it work? They They come there and you help them track down the podcast, but then you help them pitch it. What does it look like when they come?
4: Absolutely. Great question. So, yeah, so you find all the podcasts you want. The way that our system works is you pay, it's a monthly subscription. You pay for the number of pitches you want to do every month, 25, 50, and hundred. The story is I actually started with hundred, 250 and 500, okay. but our system works so well getting about 10 to 20% response that the first batch of beta users we had, were just getting so many podcasts that they were telling us mm-hmm. to stop because oh. they couldn't get on this many shows. So, We've reduced the numbers there. To 25, you'll get on a show every week, maybe a show every two weeks. Yeah. A lot of people starting off want to be at the kind of mid tier. You'll probably be on one show every week. At the high level, we're talking two or three shows a week, usually mm-hmm. for authors who are publishing a book and they want to kind of yeah. go out at that pace. So what happens is you go in there and do the search that I described earlier. You find all the podcasts. We even have something, we've created something called the podcast score from zero mm-hmm. to hundred. So it actually tells you not only what the likelihood of this podcast having listeners is, which is not public data. Mm-hmm. You can't tell how much, you know anybody who tells you they know, are lying unless they hap- they happen to be the host of the podcast. Only the host knows this is not data that anybody else can get a, get a hold of, right? Um, but we actually give you an idea of whether somebody's listening to the podcast, which also correlates to how likely it is or how hard it is to get on the podcast.
3: So how did you uh, figure that out? Uh, was it, um, how, how did you come with that figuring that algorithm?
4: I spent about two or three days playing around with different formulas um, and then just kind of spot checking it. And then we changed it based on the, resp- the reply rate of the podcast and we're still playing with it now. So, you know, when we're recording this now in November,
0: uh-huh.
4: if you somebody's listening to this a year from now, the algorithm probably will have developed. We have actually machine learning and artificial intelligence at the back end that's just constantly kind of fine-tuning that. Uh-huh. So we're in the version 0.0. Officially, we launch in January, even though we've launched in we've been open for about a year. We have about 200 users. We're mm-hmm. officially launching in January because we'll have, to, you know, everything's kind of finished. We're out of, we should be out of beta by then. So what it does there is do you go, so what you can do is you do the search and you can pick, let's just say in marketing and you find 500 shows that you want to be on. Just as an example, right? We won't push, pitch them all at once. We're not a spam system that's going to send out five emails for you yeah. all at once. What we do is we create campaigns and we have a system where you can actually, we have templates for you, but you can customize email number one, email a three-day follow-up if they don't answer, a seven-day follow-up if they don't answer and a 14-day follow-up if they don't answer at the end. And you can kind of put it all in there. You can customize it per podcast if you want, or they can begin a generic one for everything else. Um, we recommend for podcast scores, So the higher level ones, if you're pitching Joe Rogan, yeah, customize the pitch. And we have a wizard for you to do that. It has all the podcasts on the left, all the links to their social media, Facebook, all the on the top, the description. So you don't actually even have to leave our system to listen to the episodes, to open up their website, to mm-hmm. kind of get some more personal information of the person yeah, you're yeah, pitching, yeah. and customize the email rate in our system. You mm-hmm. do all of that, you hit save. And depending on your plan, we'll pitch 25, 50 or hundred a month and staggered over a few days. So it'll be, you know, one email a day, two emails a day or three emails a day, more or Mm -hmm. or less based Uh on the way the system works and it's autopilot. So if you put 500 in there and you're our lowest plan, you really don't actually have to log into our system for about two more years because we will pitch 25 podcasts a month for you. And as soon as they reply in your inbox, it'll say, Christina, yeah, I'd love to have you on my show to get forwarded into your inbox. And from then you take it from there. Calendly link, fill out forms, all the rest of it. So we get you booked on podcasts on autopilot.
3: This is amazing. Because you are so right, right? I have talked to so many people that have said, in fact, I talked to one this past summer that said, oh, I can pitch you to six places, and it was about $1,500. I'm thinking, Whoa, see, I've, I've been a producer now for 10 years. So I've gone and now I've gotten to a place where I worked with a number of PR agencies that know me and just come to me and send me wonderful votes. Mm-hmm. I get about 60 submissions a day. It's, it's intense. It's a lot of things to look at. But mm-hmm. what I like about this is you do all the background work. And then it just if they're interested, it shoots to your email and you're not having to get all this over inundating, which is hard when you're a business owner
4: exactly exactly yeah. that's you know our mission is to connect great guests with great podcasters so not everybody is you know as lucky to have 60 people pitching you know like you. Chris. a lot of people starting off and i speak for myself i've had my own podcast and once you use your own personal network you can get maybe about 30 shows 40 shows Then yeah. you run out of friends to have on your show and eventually you have to actually go out and start looking for guests yeah. it's a lot of work mm. the irony is there are amazing guests out there trying to find you too Mm-hmm. Right, it's just there's no way for those two things to get connected. There's yeah. some things out there right now that are like dating sites where you put up your profile and the other person mm-hmm. puts up theirs. But maybe they have five thousand podcasts on that and five thousand guests. That is a drop in the bucket. There are two million podcasts in the world, about six or seven hundred thousand active ones. Yeah. If you're only looking at the five thousand. You're missing ninety nine percent of the podcasts that are for you. There's some niches, for example, when I onboarded the first one hundred customers at Podcast Talk. And one of the ladies I onboarded was a burlesque dancer who used burlesque dancing to inc- increase women's self-esteem.
0: Oh,
4: I guarantee you're not going to find very many podcasts, you know, burlesque uh-huh. podcasts on, you know, most of the systems. We I went in there. I was kind of hesitant when we were, as I was walking her through, I don't know if there are any burlesque podcasts. I've never done that search. Uh-huh. <laughs> Over 250. There are tons of them. Um, but, you know, our system has them and she was able to do it. She was successful on getting on almost all of them and really takes up her credibility right now because she's been on almost every burlesque podcast in the world. So you can just kind of say that, hey, look at me. I've been everywhere. You've heard me on multiple different shows. Um, but that's a very small niche. Marketing, again, you could be pitching those for the rest of your life, and you would yeah. probably never run out of podcasts to you go on.
3: Now, what is the price range, more or less, from what to what? Like, I, you don't need to give all the prices, but, like, I, what I'm is the range? To. I'm happy yeah, yeah.
4: to. So uh, another thing about me is I'm, I specialize in bootstrapping businesses, so I do not have, like, VC money if somebody gives me $5 million. What does that mean? <laughs> That means I don't have to charge an arm and a leg for my things because I'm not paying back some rich person in San Francisco a lot of money. Um, $39 to $79 a month is where we are right now. We might go up to $49 to $89 a month. But for 40, you know, right now, um, when we're recording this for $39 a month, you can get on essentially a podcast a week, maybe a podcast every two weeks. So it's about 15 bucks for show. So what would that do for your business? What would that do for your personal brand? What would that do for you? Um, There's all these things that come out there for about 15 bucks less than a, an uber eats you know something you get at uber eats right so well
3: great this is amazing because i just uh, launched a book during the pandemic and i just was so into you know dealing with my clients working remote um with my clients i totally just put my book aside didn't promote it and uh i think we're going to be having a little chat
4: <laughs> but authors are actually probably probably some of the more common people we have on there yeah. especially people who either self-publish I mean, if you know you're a New York Times bestseller and you have Harper Collins who is going to promote you all around the web, no. you might not need us. No, but no. you know, for most of us authors, I'm trying writing a book as well. Yeah, we're we're not going to get a, a you know a two million dollar book deal, so mm. we need to do our own promotion. And you know, we're happy to help. Um, that's what we're here for. We're kind of here to help people connect and get their get their message out to the world.
3: Well, you've you've launched uh, well three amazing businesses. Um, But I am so grateful that you started this newest one. I know it's going to help a lot of business owners wanting to get their credibility out there, build uh, also their their, you know, their network and also possibly their clients and leads. And so this is great. Where can they find out more about live lingua and also your newest business, the podcast business? How can they find out more about that?
4: Of course sure so you can just go to you know google well you can google Spanish tutors online and live language should come up in the top three but l-i-v-e-l-i-n-g-u-a.com we teach 11 most spoken languages in the world all with live tutors so you know it'll be a native Chinese speaker if you want to learn Chinese it'll be a native Spanish speaker if you want to learn Spanish they all speak English if you're at the lower level we have some more advanced teachers that only speak the language but we'll place you with the right one when you kind of go in there and we have a free learning style quiz too so if you're not really sure what the best way for you to learn a language is just go in there and just take our quiz. So it'll be livelingua.com backslash quiz. Totally free. Uh, and it'll tell you the ideal learning style for you, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, and based on your Jungian personality type. So we've worked that's with awesome. somebody to do that. So that's a lot of fun. Um, otherwise, for the podcast, you can go to podcasthawk.com, the animal, H-A-W-K. As as I mentioned, Christina, I don't spend too long thinking my business name. So I said podcast and an animal, and I looked up 20 domains. I'm like, hey, Hawk, hawk is available. And there you go. So it's podcasthawk.com. We are still in beta until January, 2022, which means you get a really low price right now and you lock it in for life. Um, and then in January, 2022, you just get a kind of low price. Um, we might go up like $5 or something like that. Um, but, but it's awesome. not gonna be much. Again, I don't have to pay back millions. I just wanna help a lot of people and that's why we're launching.
3: And you are gonna help a lot of people and you have been. Thank you so much, Ray. I really, really um, blessed that you came to join us today on Savvy Broadcasting. Thanks for joining us.
4: Thanks, Christina. It was a blast.